When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, that they saw that the stone had already been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This morning we gather to celebrate resurrections. You'll notice it's plural, and you might think, well, there was a typo. It's not a typo. We're going to celebrate uh, obviously, as every Sunday, but especially this Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus the Christ from the dead. But because of that, there are other resurrection experiences that we are celebrating. But number one, prim- prior, priority over and primary above all is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus, our Lord, did exist. He came into the world as a baby, grew up, and he lived out his life on earth, and then he gave himself up as a sacrifice in death, placed in a tomb, stone rolled over the entrance, secured and guarded. But no matter all that, on that Sunday morning, he got rid of those grave clothes. For the first time in my life, I wondered, what clothes did he change into? But that's not told us. That's just an interesting thing to wonder. His heart began to beat again. His lungs filled with air again. He took that great big gasp of air as he came to and rose up, took the clothes off of him, the unraveled, the grave clothes, and he came out. And that first resurrection morning, the angel made that proclamation. And I want you to say out loud the italicized words in this next screen. You seek Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. That is true. We believe that. That's the reason we gather on this Sunday morning. We believe this happened. There's a few things you need to know about this and to appreciate it to the max, okay, as we talk about this first resurrection and celebrate it. First is, it was predicted. It was not something that God just brought about randomly or spontaneously. It was something God orchestrated that he, he directed from before time began. When we talk about the things of first importance, what Paul tells us is this from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What I, passed, what I received from Jesus face-to-face, Paul would say, I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ Jesus died for our sins according to to the scripture, the script of God, the scripture. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. This was the plan that Jesus and God discussed and talked about before Jesus ever came. And then he actually lived it out. This was no accident. This was no... plan B of God. This was his finest moment. The resurrection, secondly, was physical. 
It was an actual physical resurrection with a body, just like a body we have. It actually happened. It took place on the stage of earth. Things were going just as normally as they do here, right? Too many people try to spiritualize this. And when I was listening to sermons this morning on, on TV, it was amazing how often they talked about, we know Jesus lives because he lives in us. Well, that's true. But y'all, there's something more fundamental than this. He actually rose from a grave in a physical body. It's, we, don't just, we do not believe in immortality of the soul. And when I hear Christians talk, sometimes that's the language they use. It's not the immortality of the soul. It's the resurrection of the body that is the centerpiece of the Christian faith. The body will be raised. So out of a graveyard, much like our cemeteries, came Jesus who had been dead. Almost just unbelievable. They had no category back then for a thing called resurrection. We today have no category today for a thing called resurrection, if not for Jesus. We've never seen one or experienced one, but it happened. I want to know, you believe Jesus physically was raised from the dead, church? We believe it. That's why we gather on this first day of the week on this hill. It was absolutely necessary for these other two resurrections we'll be talking about in just a moment. The second one is only given meaning and power and significance because of the first one. And the third one will only happen, we know, because the first one did. And then this resurrection vindicated everything Jesus said or did. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he was saying everything Jesus said is true and will always be true. It's because of the resurrection that your Bible is trustworthy. It's because of the resurrection we believe in God the Father. It's because of the resurrection that we believe there's a heaven that we're going to go to. It's because of the resurrection we believe there's a hell that some will end up in. It's because of the resurrection we believe in the church and we believe in baptism. We believe in everything that we put our hope in and everything that we put our trust in. And it's the reason we walked in these doors this morning because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And finally, for right now, I'm going to say this. That first resurrection was amazing and awesome. It will always be amazing and awesome. But for a while, this resurrection of Jesus is unique. It's going to be unique for a while. It's going to be novel for a while. It's novel. It's never happened before to anyone else. It's kind of sitting there in the middle of history all by itself. It's a unique, novel thing. And because of that, it's very difficult for some people to believe in the Christian faith. But because of that, Jesus, who rose from the dead, and we believe it, is Lord. He is Savior he is God and man, and He is the one we worship this morning because of His resurrection. Resurrection 1 is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, from the grave. But resurrection 2 is your own spiritual experience of this same event when you unite with Christ, our Lord, in His. It's every bit as necessary as the resurrection of Jesus, if you want to personally benefit from the resurrection of Jesus. This second one takes place when you join him in this act and this moment from Romans chapter 6. Now keep in mind something about Romans chapter 6. We're going to read in just a second, and it's on the screen. 
Paul is not writing Romans 6 in order to convince people to be immersed. We often read it as if he's trying to convince them of how important and necessary it is. He is, he is joining other people and reminding them of what happened when they were immersed. Here's one of the interesting things about the Christian life is those of you who are baptized believers will continue to learn through the rest of your life what exactly happened back there. What took place in my resurrection? What was God doing in my baptism, joining with his resurrection? And you're going to learn more about it all the time. You do not have to be re-immersed every time you learn something new or you'd be baptized many times in your life. But Paul with the Romans wants to remind them of what actually happened that day when they joined with Jesus. It wasn't conscious in their mind, but Paul is leading them back to it. And here's what he says. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, stop right there, raise your hand if you've been baptized into Christ Jesus. You've done, okay, he's talking to you. Do you not know when you did that, you were baptized into his death? You were immersed with him in that same death that Jesus died. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is your spiritual resurrection with the physical Lord Jesus resurrection. And putting those two together secures your salvation, puts you in contact with those blessings that Jesus provided Here's the interesting thing about your baptism that we in Churches of Christ are probably pretty known for. We argue vehemently, right? Or maybe we just zealously for the fact that baptism is essential. And here's why. The meaning and the act are so intertwined, you cannot separate them. What is taking place is significant. And it, it is symbolic, but not just symbolic. It is, it is representative, but not just representative. The water, the baptism, the immersion, and the blessing of uniting with Jesus, your sins being forgiven, and you dying to sin, all takes place at once, and you cannot separate them. The resurrection of Jesus was physical with spiritual blessings. Your spiritual resurrection in baptism joins with his physical. So the physical and the spiritual are joining forces in this act that God requested us to undertake. You can't separate them. Listen to what Peter, who preached in Acts 2, said later on in his letter of 1 Peter. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has given us or caused us to be born again to the living hope through what? What's it say? Through the resurrection. You know what gives that new birth power to baptism? The resurrection of Jesus. Now look at chapter 3. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Does baptism save you? Look at the screen. Does baptism save you? Yes. Not, not because of the physical water washing your physical body, but through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The fact that he physically arose means that when you join with him spiritually in baptism, you arise to walk a new life. They belong together. But now this resurrection, the second one we're celebrating today, is a choice that you have. It's an option. 
you, you decide that you believe in the resurrection of Jesus enough that you're going to join with it and you're going to believe in it enough to entrust yourself to it. Listen to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You do have to confess, but that confession means nothing if you don't believe that he was raised by God from the dead. This is difficult. Everything rises and falls in the Christian faith on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Everything hinges on this. And if you don't believe that happened, there's no way salvation can come to you. And if you don't join with it, it cannot come to you. This is why in the book of Acts, as Paul is preaching and people are leaning in and they're very interested, they're intrigued by what he has to say, and they're following him intently. And then he mentions resurrection and everybody kind of goes, okay, now you lost us. It's like you've gone out of your mind. That's what one of them says. Another one talking about this in Luke 24 says it's a bunch of nonsense. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that the gospel, because of the resurrection, seems so foolish to so many. But to those who believe, it's the power of God to save. But it's completely optional. There are non-believers who believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but because they've never believed enough to unite with him in their own spiritual resurrection, it's just a fact of history that has no bearing on them. But for those of us who gather here this morning, it means everything to us. It is our sole source of hope. It is how we came to know who we are through Christ. So today, we do celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We also celebrate our own. This morning, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate, for those who've experienced it, your own spiritual resurrection. But there's a third one. It is the resurrection that awaits us all. It's really the same as the first one. Uh, but we have to be a little more particular. It's the it's the resurrection transformation that we all experience at the end of the story. This story is going somewhere. Your, your life is heading somewhere and contributing to a story that God has in mind. We won't all die. There will be some who are alive when the Lord returns. And so for them, there will, no be, there will not be a resurrection quite like Jesus. But he says, even those who are alive and remain, they will be changed. They will have that resurrection transformation. So here's the thing about the resurrection of Jesus. It's novel for a time. He's the only one who's ever experienced it. The only one we've ever heard of who's experienced the resurrection like he has. But listen, by the time the story is over, when this story is done, it'll be commonplace because everyone who ever lived and died will experience that resurrection. I looked for things to compare this to, like, do you remember your first cell phone that you ever saw? It used to be so exclusive, and a, just a very select few had them. Now everybody has them. Paul Thornton, who runs the sound here, I like to use an example of him every once in a while if I can. He came up to me and said, I remember this neat contraption back when I was little that you put a hot dog in it, and you hit the number 15, and you push the button, and it cooks that thing in 15 seconds. Anybody know what that's called? A microwave. Now, every one of you has them in your house. And probably they were about 80 bucks at Walmart, maybe at 
somewhere else like that, but 80 bucks, you set one of the, that thing back then was like $400 and it took up a whole wall, right? But it was the first, never seen anything like it. And you thought, oh, only the rich have this, right? Listen, here's the thing about the resurrection of Jesus. It's the first and it's novel, but by the end of the story, everyone will have experienced the same thing. The only thing that makes it novel is that while it belongs at the end of the story, God put it in the middle as the first fruits of what everyone will experience, plus the fact that he's one who didn't deserve the death he died. This resurrection is novel for a time, but there's coming a time when everyone will experience this. I want us to look at a, a couple of verses here where Jesus himself um, describes what's going to happen. This comes from John chapter 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. This is a spiritual word, but he goes on to the physical word. You ready? For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Next screen. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs, this is the cemetery, the graveyard, the sea, everyone who's dead, how many of the dead is he talking about? All who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who are righteous and obedient and responded to God, they will rise back equipped for eternity for the reward. But notice the rest. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. There's coming a day when the voice of Jesus will cause the resurrection of all people. He's the first one in the middle of history. At the end of history, he will trigger all the rest of humanity who's ever died. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 has kind of the itinerary for those who are really concerned about it. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, I vote for us to be in this group. Amen? Let's just not die. Let's just be here when Jesus comes back. I think that's the best way to do it. Maybe maybe in a couple years or whatever. I don't care what it is. I'd just rather not die. Okay, so we who are alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who've fallen asleep. The people who get to meet Jesus first are the dead in Christ. Not precede those who've fallen asleep. This isn't a sleep. This is a spiritual sleep. This is not, this is death, right? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. This is what triggers the last time, y'all. The Lord will descend from heaven, and with a cry of command, he's going to take charge of all things. And with the voice of the archangel, and there's his voice that raises people, the voice of an archangel with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. They're going to come out of the... Then we who are alive, that's going to be us. We who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them to... to the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And therefore, he says, encourage one another with these words. Can I ask you this morning, are you encouraged by the words of resurrection? Does that encourage you this morning? I mean, we're tired. We're coming in from lads to leaders of spring sing, and you've had all these got up early for the Easter egg. Are, are you so tired that this doesn't encourage you? Paul says, I want this to encourage you. One last thing from Paul, from Paul, 1 Corinthians 15. I tell you this, brothers, 
Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I will tell you a mystery. It's a mystery before Paul reveals it, but this is the mystery that he wants us to know. It's no longer a mystery, right? We shall not all sleep. That's going to be us. But we shall all be changed, we pray. Right? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must become imperishable. This mortal body must be equipped for immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, when the mortal puts on immortality, then this is going to make sense to you. This is going to make all the sense in the world to you because for so many of us, death is a scary thing. This is going to make sense that day. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, speaking to death as a person. Oh, death, where is the victory you proclaimed when we went to every funeral? Where's your victory? It's gone. Oh, death, where is your sting? It doesn't exist. That's the day we look forward to. And you all, this day's coming. It's coming in our future. The resurrection is that vehicle that allows us to look back at a fact in the past, a fact an event that impacts our lives and everything about us spiritually and our physical futures. But the resurrection is also an occasion to look at our own lives right now, to think about how we are conforming to that same pattern of death, burial, and resurrection that we committed to in covenant. It also causes us to look into the future at a day when we will be raised imperishable, equipped for an eternity with God. There is another act we do every single Lord's Day that does that same thing. It looks back on the entire event, not just the resurrection, but the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. We look back on it and we remind ourselves, church, this really did happen and we believe it. In a world that doubts it, we believe it. In a world that questions it, we still meet because of it. But we think also of that covenant we make to that Lord who did that for us. And we examine ourselves and we say to ourselves, are we doing honor to him? Not are we worthy. That's been established. We're only worthy in Christ. It's are we honoring it? Are we attempting to give him the glory of our lives? And Jesus even told us, I'm going to partake of this anew with you in the kingdom of God one day. One of these days, every believer who ever lived is going to be partaking of this together in the presence of the Lord who offered it. This past, present, future thing with the resurrection is true of our communion. And this morning, we think of the past. We examine the present and we rejoice in the prospect of the future as we partake. Let's pray together for this bread. Father, we are grateful for what you have done to solve the problem we created. We have a sin issue that separated us from God and we were hopeless and helpless and we were your enemies. But this morning we come into your presence invited, invited not as enemies, but as reconciled sons and daughters, that you even tell us that we have the right to confidently and boldly come into your presence by your invitation to draw near to you, especially around the table. 
and celebrate our relationship that was secured and fixed and reconciled through the blood and the body of your Son. God, it's our only hope. We know what it took for you to provide it because we look back on that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We know what it took. We know, we know what we get to do. We get to be united with it and receive its benefits. And we know that one of these days, Father, not just in a spiritual sense will we be united with you, but in a physical sense. And we do, we do look forward to that. And Father, we know that it all belongs to you because of what you did in the body of your Son. And as we take this, as we take this unleavened bread, help us to remember the sacrifice of your Son and the significance of that sacrifice. And may we seek to honor it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's approach God again. Father, as we continue this time, we ask that you help us to keep in mind where this blood came from, who provided it, and for what reason. All that should be in our mind as we tip it into our mouths and ingest it. And Father, may not only the benefits of that sacrificed blood come to us, but may we seek to honor it and have it come out in us in a life that shows an awareness and appreciation for it. Please bless this fruit of the vine, this blood of the covenant. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So happy Resurrection Sunday, church. We have come together because Jesus arose. We have come together because we have risen to new life. And we look forward to that day when we're united with our Savior in a full sense. Here is how they all relate as we wrap up this morning. Jesus experienced the first resurrection. It belonged to the end of history Jesus, or God, and His brilliance and His grace put it in the middle of history so that we would have something to believe in, something to see. It's the first fruits. When you see that first ear of corn come, you know the rest of it's coming. Jesus rose from the dead, church, and so are we going to. And it's because of Him that we will. But what will that experience be like? It depends on you, doesn't it? It depends on you. If you believe that he did that, and he believed that he did that for you, and that you trust in it and are willing to unite with him in your own resurrection, the second one, you will be raised to a whole new life with him for eternity. That's when the third one happens that we've been talking about this morning. So we remember the first one. It empowers the second one that's an option for you, and then it secures and guarantees what happens with the third one. Look back, church, look back and see what Jesus did coming out of the grave. Look back to when you joined him in that watery grave of your own and allow yourself to imagine ahead when you hear his voice because it's his voice that will trigger the resurrection transformation. It's a voice we're waiting for and we will know it when we hear it. Easter is a time to celebrate all three of these for believers. This morning, if you realize that and you know it's true, but for some reason you have never chosen to experience your own resurrection with Jesus in the waters of baptism, I can't think of a better way 
to celebrate an Easter than allowing us to witness your own resurrection this morning. I can't imagine a better way than you saying, I do believe it. And listen, that's the one thing. That's the one thing that's required for the second resurrection, your own, to be effective. Do you believe in his? Do you believe in his and are you willing to live it out? And this morning, if you are and you've never experienced it, we would love and be honored if you chose now is the time to finally do that. All you need to know is Jesus rose from the dead. You believe it and you want to rise when you hear his voice again to new life, full life. And if this morning that's you, make it known now as we stand, as we sing to encourage you.